when you look at when you look at Jesus, when you look at Jesus coming in to Jerusalem and you see him there, when you look at Jesus, what are the characteristics you see in Jesus? What are the traits? What are the things you notice? When you look at Jesus, do you see a God, a divinity on a throne? Do you see a wise guru or a teacher? Do you see a miracle worker or someone who can break the laws of physics with his will? Do you see a cure for disease? Or a therapist who can help you with family problems? Or do you see a warrior, a conqueror? Or do you see a social justice activist standing up against oppression? What we see Jesus can almost be a bit of a Rorschach test to find out what we value and believe, what we want God to affirm and support. You know, rarely do I see conservatives who proclaim Jesus as social justice warrior or liberals who think Jesus talks about sin and hell. Freud used to say that God is just a projection of our desires for the idea. Now, Freud, of course, was notorious for projecting his theories of projecting onto his patients and making everything about repression instead of always listening very well. People would come back from World War I and he would visit them and be convinced that their problems had to do with repression and issues with their mother. And people kept saying, Freud, maybe it's because of World War I. <laughs> but that was what he said. And there's people who believe him, that God's just a But then again, who wants to worship a God who goes against everything we believe? I mean, which is why it's hard so often to just look at Jesus as a blank slate. Maybe we just can't do it. You know? We can't look at Jesus without in some way projecting what we want him to be. Back in 2005, I went to a conference, this huge church up in Seattle. They had grown so fast in the least church-going city in America that they had bought up a whole hardware distribution warehouse. They had this giant warehouse that 1,400 people. And the guy packed it every single week with like young men in their 20s. You know, the most church-going group in America, right? Packed wall to wall. Five services a Sunday. Don't know how that pastor pulled it off. And I wanted to find out what was going on. What, what, what's, the, what's the secret sauce he's got? So I signed up for one of his conferences. Went up there and got into this gigantic black room. It was all black. And uh, it was like one of those, it was like a black box theater, but just. And, um, and I'm sitting there with all these young men. I'm in my early 30s and feeling old. And a lot of them had come off the street. A lot of them had come off of drug problems. And this pastor would get up. And he'd get up there, and he'd, he had kind of ripped jeans and those, remember the old Affliction t-shirts? They had like a cross, but all that funky Gothic lettering. Oh, they were cool. And he'd get up there. And his point was, and he would say this over and over, you men need to stop being wussies and be tough and responsible and man up. Stop being wussies. Actually, wussy wasn't the word he used. He used one that rhymed with it. 
And he did it for the pulpit. And I kept, and the, but the message, and I'm thinking, this is what's packing the room? Yelling at people? I could do that. I don't think it would pack the room. But his message came over and over. Jesus was a tough sufferer who endured pain like a man. You can have life and not go to hell. Be grateful. Quit whining. Man up and be tough. There was that word he would use over and over and over again. Tough. Manly. Tough. Jesus. Tough. Disciples. Be tough. And I'll admit, I didn't resonate with this at all. I, don't re I didn't resonate with that word like all these guys who were just like uh, hanging on his every word. I, I, I couldn't I didn't resonate at all. Because when I hear that word tough, you know what I hear? When I hear tough, it reminds me of some teacher or coach trying to make fun of me or push me to bottle up my emotions and put up with bullying and harassment. You need to stop crying. Tough it up, boy. And all I'm hearing is, you need to let me bully you and be mean to you and make fun of you in front of other people and not show any emotion and admit that it hurts your feelings. So maybe tough didn't mean the same to me. It wasn't something I aspired to. Because I've met guys who are tough. Well, I've met guys who are tough. I've met guys who are the toughest of the tough. I've met guys who are in gangs, who are in prison, who would have taken care of that Seattle pastor in 13 seconds. I've known guys who've literally lived on the streets. They've been in fights. Oh, they were the toughest of the tough. And they had learned that if you show emotion, you show weakness. And if you show weakness, you become a target. And so they bottled it up and put up this front and marched out to the world. Ain't nobody messing with me. They were tough. They were tough the way your feet get tough when you walk barefoot all day. You know, the pain makes you build up calluses, which make your feet tough, so nothing can get past all those layers of dead skin that hurt the soft flesh inside. That's tough. Put on armor. Hide the vulnerable part and bury it inside somewhere. And when you would get to know these tough guys, after a while, you would learn that under all that tough exterior was a lot of pain, trauma, abandonment, guilt, and none of it was ever dealt with because to deal with it would require you to peel back the layers of toughness and expose your true self. And when you do that, you can get burned. In fact, we probably could all tell a story, right? Of opening up to someone one time and getting burned. Of being vulnerable and finding that it wasn't a safe thing to do. Of opening up and getting cried at or laughed at. Or of opening up and struggling and being told it was your fault. We opened up and we got burned, so we closed the door and said, never again. I'm going to be tough. 
So it makes sense, I guess, that if you associate emotion and vulnerability with trauma and hurt, that you would get excited to hear that macho talking preacher in torn jeans standing up there telling you to be tough and telling you about that tough Jesus who endured all that pain without wincing or crying. And then you flood the screens with, with image after image after image of blood and blood and blood. And he's telling you, Jesus is tough, 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 so you can be tough, tough, tough. And it resonated a lot. At its peak, I think this place had five, ten thousand people a week. But I'm sitting there looking not very tough, definitely not looking like a hip Seattle guy, and going, is that Jesus? Is that really Jesus? Is that the Jesus who was? Or who you wish he was? When you see Jesus going along in his ministry, he spends about the first three years in the country. He's three years out in the field telling people stories about agriculture, right? Shepherds, mustard seeds, prodigal sons who don't inherit the farm. And what does Jesus do? He decides to leave all that behind and march right into Jerusalem at Passover. When the city's population was, what, double or triple normal, and the Roman Empire would then station huge garrisons of troops just to scare away any thought of a rebellion. So when you see that, Jesus going into this political hot mess, tensions high, and everyone with their hands on their swords, do you see someone who's out to show he's tough? Or do you see someone out to show he's not? Do you see a guy who's going to stand up and not take it anymore? Or do you see someone who's decided to open himself up to his people because he cares about them and wants to help them with the oppression that the empire is putting on them? We know how the story goes. Jesus goes in without any violence. He gets killed. He makes himself up. Right? He could have stayed out in the country. But he goes in, makes himself vulnerable, he gets burned. Because our God is a God of weakness by choice. Vulnerability, openness, who lets himself be mocked and who doesn't get tough from it. Because what happens if he got tough from it? He'd get calloused. Right? That's what happens when you take a beating a lot. Over and over, you get calloused. When you endure a lot, you get calloused. A person who isn't moved by pain and suffering of others, who isn't affected when he sees people crying or in pain, that's calloused, right? That's what we say. Do you really want to pray to a calloused God? Can you look on the cross and really see someone who doesn't feel others' pain? Or someone who is weak? and open, and who totally feels others' pain. Wouldn't you rather know that in a world full of people who will kick you when you're down and laugh at you when you're hurt, and bully you and tell you it's for your own good, wouldn't you rather know that 
one person in this world for sure is not guarded and calloused and toughened up and will listen and share in your pain? Do you want Jesus to take off the band-aid and gently heal your wound? Or do you want him to leave it raw and cover it in armor? Paul said it beautifully in Philippians 2. Let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's all about weakness, humility, emptiness, giving up. Instead of Jesus, the tough guy, Jesus, the tough guy, U.S., he's the let's be weak together guy. Weakness, vulnerability, obedience. Instead of Jesus riding in to prove his strength, He's riding in to put himself in the same position, the same powerless position as everyone else in Jerusalem, as all of God's people who have to live under the thumb of an occupying empire. He knows our pain because he chose it. And because he chose it, he knows it. And he feels it. And in that is new life. Amen.